Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Melina, what's with you today? You're playing a lot of my favorites. So it's because it's 40 degrees and sunny? Yep. Yep. It's exactly what it is. I understand. I understand completely. It's going to be 38 tomorrow. It's more clouds tomorrow, but still 38 degrees. So that's Anything great. I think about 32 is wonderful. What's it yes. going to be on? That's uh, very true. What's it going to be on Saturday? I have to do the polar plunge on Saturday with the Minneapolis Fire Department. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And Michael Bryant, right? Is he going to be there, too? I believe Michael Bryant's going to do it as well. I am unfamiliar, but I will definitely be there. And, uh, hey, we're, we're closing in on our goal of $3,000. We're only $2,500 short. <laughs> <laughs> that is closing. If what? People, yeah, I know. It's a little slow this time of year. Usually, uh, last year, we had almost five grand in donations. But if people are interested in uh, helping us that. with the uh, Special Olympics and helping us raise money and awareness, uh, all I have to do is go to darknessradio.com, darknessradio.com radio.com and scroll down to the 2018 polar plunge little banner they can click on it and make a donation any size donation will help uh but yeah we're trying to raise three thousand dollars my son who's a navy vet and a firefighter here in minneapolis does this every year and and i'm going to be jumping with him this year does it count if you have a dry suit on a dry suit what is that you know, like don't get cold. Jump in the cold, cold waters. You have these, oh. It's like a scuba suit. It traps a, a layer dry. of air so I don't get I, cold. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'm not an outdoorsman, Ralph. I, uh, I don't go. Oh, this okay. is going to be totally new for me. So uh, yeah. 
Yeah. What I was you, totally new or new? Nude. 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 Oh. I'm going to be totally oh, well, nude. I just good. figured Thank it's you. easier. It's easier to dry off that way right <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> I, I, I have to question the sanity doing that, jumping in that cold water. You yeah. know what? If it, if it helps raise money and awareness for a great cause like Special Olympics, I have no problem doing that. Okay. I love doing charity work. So if I can help out and, and help the Minneapolis firefighters hit their mm-hmm. lofty goal and it takes Darkness Dave to jump in in a bathing suit in frigid cold weather, I'm willing to put it out there. Careful. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Careful. Figuratively. Figuratively. No, and literally, I'll be putting it out there, Catherine. <laughs> no. Well, there won't be much left. So, Tom, can I can I mention oh, yeah. something to you here? You, yeah, because uh, well, I got something to do while you're doing it anyway. My wife, who uh, I, you guys are probably familiar with her, Cassie. She does a lot of the stuff for uh, your website stuff. She uh, she was telling me mm-hmm. you've got to watch Cassie, <laughs> Cassie Schrader. Yeah, you should. Uh, I'll introduce <laughs> you after the show. She she said, "Honey, you've got to watch this uh, special this, uh, that I recorded." She goes, "Tom has played this audio a lot on his show, and you know I do a true crime Tuesday show every week, so I, yes. I listen in." And it's this thing, and I've never heard this. And I can't believe it. After all the years of listening to KQ, I've never heard you play the audio of the weepy-voiced killer. Oh, don't talk. Just listen. Yeah, It's one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. So I did an episode today on on True Crime Tuesday regarding the weepy-voiced killer. And we talked to Donald Allen, who was host (sighs) of that special. And I've got to tell you, I've done five years of true crime uh, on our show. And this... The audio absolutely creeps me out to no end. This guy would call in, and for those of the listeners that don't know the story, it took place right here in Minnesota. This guy was killing women between, at least what they know, 80 to 82. And yes. if the women were wearing red, those were his targets. Um, and he would he would do horrific things to them. And then he would call in in a remorseful way, crying, sobbing, begging to be stopped. And yep. his his voice has got to be one of the most chilling things I've ever heard because it is just so. I mean, it's almost comical in in a sense. But then when you realize in what sense, he's yes. talking about, you it, it makes your blood run cold. And I we did this episode today, and I get an email this morning, Tom, and it says, uh, "I heard on your podcast you're doing the weepy voice killer. That was my uncle." <sighs> Oh, yeah. He's called into my show, too. Yeah. And I said, boy, I'd love to talk to you more about this because I'm surprised there's not more out there about this guy and what drove him to this. But what a creepy story. Are you familiar with this story, Ralph? No. Not familiar, but it would make a great movie. This is... Oh, yeah. This is... Molina, do you have any of the audio on this at all? Maybe we could pull it up. But in our interview today, we play the four or five phone calls from this guy. And I think one of the most chilling aspects of the story is not only was he brutally... uh, bloodthirsty and a killer but he during the interview makes some comment to the police um yeah well, it was kind of like uh eating and breathing and drinking killing was just something i thought we did in life and he just says it so flippantly and throw away and that to me those kind of killers are are the most terrifying things i've ever heard i mean in his brain he just did not see that that's well that's just not Maybe that's just part of the life cycle. We live, we breed, we eat, we drink, and we murder. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly it. That all works out in the end, by the way. Oof. Um, I just checked your page. You've more than doubled since you brought that up, your polar plunge. Are we close to 1,000 now? 1,077. All right. Hey, we're making the leap. Thank you very much for uh, doing that. big leap. Yeah, we went from 560-something. Yeah, I appreciate that. See, yeah. Yeah, it was, was five. It was five seventy-seven, and now it's at a thousand seventy-seven. 
So that's good. And and how do you do? How do you tell tell people how to do that again? For the polar plunge, all you need to do is go to darknessradio.com, my website, and scroll down. You'll see the little polar plunge 2018 banner. It's a little box banner. If you click it, you can just go in and, and make a donation there of any size one, five, ten, twenty, a thousand, whatever you want to do. But all that money goes to help the Special Olympics. It helps the athletes with travel expenses, uniforms, training. And uh, I've had a chance to participate when I was younger in a couple of uh, the Special Olympics. I was one of the the trainers uh, in uh, Illinois for a couple of the cases. And I just had, it's truly one of the most uh, rewarding moments to watch these athletes who are preparing for this get involved and be a part of it. And it's, it's fantastic. And this is the help they need. So by raising awareness, taking the polar plunge, Jumping into ice cold, frigid Minnesota water in uh, in February and March is uh, is what we do, and that's how you can make the donations right there on the website. Minneapolis Fire Department, right? Yep, yep. I'm that's part of their where team. All the money goes. Yeah, well, it goes to that the fantastic. It doesn't go to the fire department, but it's part of their team. So the money goes from the fire department's team to the Special Olympics. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a great idea. Now, whose name is on your on the on the page? That's my son, Clifford. My son, who's well, a so. yeah Navy veteran, and he's one of the Minneapolis Fire Department uh, specialists. Um, I've got a page as well, but I just my page is seventy five bucks, and I, I already paid that just to get in, so I can go jump with my son. But I want to raise it for him and the great work that the fire department does every year in, in helping this. Well, we'll keep an eye on it as the show goes on. Great, thank you. I appreciate See if it that. Keeps going up. It'll be eh, no problem. Michael Bryant's doing it. We we like that. It's Special Olympics. Yes, uh, fantastic. That. TV commercial uh. that they're running for the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. The chances of that little baby born without lower legs. Right. Have you seen that TV commercial? I have not yet, no. Oh, man, is it phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. They talk about the chance of this baby ever uh, getting a, an Olympic gold medal. What were the odds again, Catherine? Oh, they were like, like 150 million yeah, to one or something? astronomical. And then when she actually crosses the line and wins uh, an Olympic gold medal in the Special Olympics... It's one-to-one, are the odds, by the time she gets to the bottom of the hill. It's fantastic. That is. I did that. It's, uh, it's really, really a great PSA. I was, when I was a teenager, uh, you know, I've, I've dealt with depression throughout my entire life, and I had a great mentor um, who was, you know, good at kind of helping me clear my head. And at one point he said, Schrader, you got to get out of your own head. Why don't you do something for somebody else instead of laying around feeling sorry for yourself? And he connected me with the Mark Lund's <laughs> children's home. That's nice. Well, and it is. Sometimes oh, you yeah. need that kick up the backside to remember that there's you there's do. a world outside you of do. you. And and I went into the Mark Lund children's home in Illinois and uh, vol- became a volunteer and had probably three of the most rewarding years of my life um, helping and, and being a part of this. And I'll tell you, one of the kids uh, that won me over, though, was this little boy named Jude. And he um, had deformities. He was He was... He was in a cage, for lack of a better term. I mean, because he would always try to climb out of his crib and, and hurt himself. So they had him in basically a, a cage. And I remember when they first brought me in. And you, once you get past that initial image of of people that have deformities or challenges, mm-hmm. and this little boy looked like a monster. And my heart stopped. I was nervous. I got flop sweat. And they brought me in. And she goes, oh, this is Jude. And he just shot me this glare at first and uh, she goes put your hand inside his crib so he can say hi and I remember just that feeling and I'm like oh my god and all of a sudden then there was this bridge of humanity that was like why am I so afraid this is ridiculous and I put my hand in and this beautiful smile broke across his face and he just rubbed his face across my hand 
and then started singing Hey Jude to me and just brought tears to my eyes. And he became just one of my favorite people on the planet. And um, uh, Ashok and a few of the other kids that were part of the, the group there that became part of the Special Olympics, it was, like I said, it was so rewarding to see this. And I got out of my mindset. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't, oh, look at this, you know, look at these kids. My life is so much better. That, that wasn't the alteration. And, and the nurses put me on it straight. They, they looked me in the eye, took me aside and said, don't you ever feel sorry for these kids. Because no, when you good. feel that, sorry for wonderful. them, they said that's when they realize that they have an issue or that they're not like everyone right. else. Your job here is to make their lives happy, healthy, and fun. And you treat them like you would treat every other human on this planet. And don't let them be limited by their issues. And they did these things with love. And I watched kids that parents had discarded because they just didn't think that there was anything left in them that was human. And and that's hard to say, but that's exactly what the explanations were. I watched these kids flourish and blossom and walk. Children that had never walked would get up and walk to me and play and, and communicate. And when their parents would come, they would fold into a, a circle and not speak and not move. And the parents just didn't believe that that's what was going on. But that's because that's what the parents' expectations were. You're this, and that's how they reverted to them. But when you treated these children with the love and respect, man, they would explode. And watching them out on the field and doing the the sports was, uh, I can't even tell you how it altered parts of my brain and and thinking going forward in life. That's what life should be all about right there. It should be just everybody. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful story. That's an absolutely fabulous. Story. Oh, and that's the best I, I, thing. I, I, when you're when you're feeling down, get out of your mind. Go do something for other people, and and start to realize there's a whole part of life. And look at people that have had a much tougher part of life that are living, laughing, and enjoying. You you talk about the part of town you were you were raised in, Tom, and it wasn't the mm-hmm. wealthiest part of town, but people were happy, right? Because if you don't realize no, what you more. don't have. You make the best out of what you do have, and you have a good life. Well, a lot of them were happy because they were drunk. But Well, there's that. <laughs> but, no, you're absolutely right. As I said, I, I was a very, very lucky guy because the fathers in that neighborhood were very helpful to me, and they supported one another. A lot of people in that neighborhood supported one another's families. It was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And people don't know that's what's going on, and that's why it angers me, and that's why Mike Lindell and I have been you know, talking about getting this thing done this summer, uh, going into North Minneapolis and actually doing something. Because since I was a little kid, I've been hearing all these politicians, city politicians and county politicians and state politicians, we're going to go into North Minneapolis and we're going to really help you out. It's going to be unbelievable. Never happened. Hasn't happened my whole life. So it might be time. There are some great people there. There's a minister at one of the churches on uh, Plymouth and Logan. She's just wonderful. She's about five feet tall even, but I don't think I'd want to fight her. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I think she's pretty tough. That's what life is all about. Life is not all about, oh, your thoughts and prayers, that's all you're going to send him? Be happy that he's going to send his thoughts and prayers. That's all you can really do on Twitter or Facebook. Good God, just be happy for them. I mean, like, what's he going to do? I'll send you a check. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do. You see this Twitter check that I just sent you? (laughs) And a $1.5 million Ferrari. One and a half million dollar Ferrari, yeah, that's the other thing you could really do for him because that's it's so nice. That's just wonderful that we got all that uh, that whole deal going. How this, much does it cost to fix a one hundred percent occlusion of the LAD artery? Not that much, right? 
What? Okay, uh, Ralph apparently is talking to you. Because <laughs> I have well, no idea what the hell he's talking it's, about. It's going to be a bypass or internal mammary uh, bypass or uh, a bypass of the vessel. Yeah, it's going to be. It'll be. Well, but I mean, 20, for a, the a celebrity. 000. Oh, I don't. Yeah. So no, don't Kevin know. Smith yeah. could afford it, I'm sure. Oh yeah, he's got it. He's got it. He's and it's covered. you know once it's fixed, it's pretty much fixed except for the behaviors that got him there but you that's know, right that's and persistent disease not something you can are they replacing it fix. or did they just put a stent in it, it, oh it depends they sometimes they'll stent it but if he has to have open heart surgery they're going to be doing some sort of a bypass and, and, may, and it may not initially be they sometimes they'll do some of the newer endoscopic surgeries uh that uh, don't require as much uh, recovery i mean they also do yeah. internal mammary uh, uh artery uh bypass as well so a lot of choices you know and that's whatever the cardiac surgeon can do best and will do best for him at 100 percent occlusion, though, uh, oh, yeah, it's not. It's good. not good. No. So probably a bypass. Yep. Yeah, probably true. We'll be right back. Right after this, Tom Bernard show. Tom Bernard here, and here with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website about a customer near where I grew up, North Minneapolis. They were specifically looking for a community bank. That's right, Tommy. Prestige Products. They had been with another community bank, but when their bank was acquired by a large regional bank, the owner felt like they were just seeing his business for the numbers on the page and not really understanding his long-term plans. So he met with a number of community banks in the area, including us. Luke at our branch in Shoreview met with the owner, they hit it off, and Prestige Products chose to work with us. Incidentally, their favorite part of working with Luke is that he gets excited about the same things that are important to them. Having a clear understanding of your long-term goals makes for a great relationship and our difference maker for your business. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. I'm singing like there's no tomorrow. Um, Good old Flo and Eddie. Oh, whoops, you're not on there. Sorry, you were out of the Yeah, I was, tur- I was so turned off. I turned off. you off, sorry. Way to go, Andy. How do you drown in a bathtub? You not in a, not an infant, but a full-grown drugs. person. Don't be sneaking peeks over at no, my I, screen I saw here. that. I saw that story earlier today, that Bollywood actor. A Bollywood actress. Drinking, falling asleep, slipping yeah. under, yeah. All you need is to uh-huh. accidentally gasp in one 
lung full of air, and that oh, can yeah. do it for you, right? Mm-hmm. Or go really? to a bar with Heather Locklear. <laughs> she just beat the hell out of you. She beat you to death, though. Well, how- well, when you fall asleep, you're supposed to. There's a reflex that, you know, yeah. you hold your breath and you get out of the water. So Ooh. in that case, it's almost always either something like benzos or booze. Didn't Whitney uh. Houston uh, drown? And didn't her daughter yep. drown? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that might be a little different. You know, you think she was nefarious? Dun, dun, dun. Nefarious. Uh, nefarious. I like nefarious. Uh, let's see. You know, I think that's and that's insinuation, and that's what everybody's questioning. Oh, this happened in Dubai, yeah, and what true. was going on, and blah 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 blah. Some yeah. Heart disease and cocaine use listed as just contributing factors. Well, so they think already? she had a heart <laughs> heart attack. So wow. how old was she? Uh, forty-eight. Just, oh, really? Forty-eight with the heart attack, and then she drowns in the tub. Yeah, you breathe in one lung full of water, you're done. They're, right, Ralph? There's nothing. Yeah, well, good. They, they, well they, they get you on your way, but you know, yeah. you, you can yeah. cough some of that up. But what's really scary is the dry drowning. That is what terrifies the hell out of me. Have you heard about what's this? Dry drowning. When you breathe in chlorinated water, you can expel oh, God. it. But the chlorine then hardens the inner layer of your lungs, which causes you basically Ooh. to suffocate. It's called dry drowning. I know you're giving me a dirty look on this, <laughs> but it's terrifying. So when your kids jump in the pool and you think, okay, they took a snoot full and they coughed it all out, we're safe. As it's actually drying in the lungs, it's constricting that membrane inside, or it's drying out that membrane in the lungs and can cause suffocation. Go ahead, Google it. It's not good. The more you learn. The more you learn. It's right. very rare, though, isn't it? No, extremely. Yeah. No, it's not that. Wife syndrome. Yeah, it, it's not that rare. They, they, there's warnings about it every year, but dry drowning is, is terrifying, and it's it's a big issue that a lot of people don't pay any attention to. So you have pulmonary sclerosis. Yeah, the, the so you lose the elasticity of your lungs. Right. Yeah, and it's because of the high content level of the chlorinated water, the the chemicals. It says, in cases of dry drowning, the water triggers a spasm in the airway, causing it to close up and impact breathing. Unlike dry drowning, delayed or secondary drowning occurs when swimmers have taken water into their lungs. The water builds up over time, eventually causing breathing difficulties. Um, But there's different versions. They they were talking about the chemical actually stripping that that thin membrane. it It causes bronchoconstriction. And uh, alveolar constriction, mm-hmm. then you can't breathe. Right. You can't get the air in. The tubes are too small, and when you, and when that happens, when you when your muscles, particularly when you're young, when you take a deep breath and you try to get the air in, it creates a pressure differential and sucks your bodily fluids into your alveoli, and that's the or your breathing spaces, and that's where that's coming from. You know, but you, it, it you know, I I don't know. I can see that it can cause uh, bronco, uh, bronchospasm. I I don't know that the the uh, sodium hypochlorite that's in the pool water would do would really permanently scar your lungs. I so if they so went in I can see too the mechanism though, yeah. quickly, too quickly after they shocked the pool, which a lot of people somehow don't know that you're not supposed to swim in a pool immediately after uh, you yeah, shock it. it. That's oh, right. That's right. Yeah, that, so that's. It. Yeah, that's when you could see it, yeah. Yeah, it says, from the American Osteopathic Association, it says, dry and secondary drowning, the signs every parent needs to know. Most parents think the risk of drowning ends when their child exits the pool or reaches the shoreline. However, danger can linger even after a child's swim time is over. Although rare, dry and secondary drowning incidents may occur anytime up to 24 hours later. Ah, boy, I really have to. So if your kid swallows water, you go right to the hospital and wait? 
Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess, too. yeah. <laughs> what are the warning signs? I mean, it says, while symptoms of dry drowning typically occur right after a water incident, secondary drowning symptoms can appear hours after a near-drowning experience. If your child has recently had a near-drowning experience or inhaled a large amount of water, Dr. Mitchell suggests watching them for following signs, troubled breathing, coughing, sleepiness, or a drop in energy level, irritability, chest pain, and vomiting. Be attentive to those sudden changes in behavior, advises Dr. Mitchell. Many parents don't recognize these signs of delayed drowning because they believe their child is fatigued from a long day of swimming or exhausted from nearly drowning. While symptoms are mild and improve over time, it is uh, important to have your child examined as a precautionary measure. Uh, uh, Treat dry or secondary drowning as a medical emergency. If you or someone you know starts exhibiting these signs, go immediately to the hospital. Hmm. Wow. So what's the incident? Do you think some kids are faking it so they, they don't have to listen to Ed Sheeran sing? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just a, my God. I'm so sad. Oh, God. I'm surprised I'm not dead from dry drowning. Yeah, really. How did we all survive childhood, <laughs> Tom and, and Catherine? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea how I survived childhood. It's true. I have no idea. You know... A lot of people get all mad at the Russians, whereas I kind of look at the Russians and say, you know, these people drink way too much, (laughs) they have way too much fun, and they love to poke the bear. This is uh, from Newser today, 10.45 in the morning. Sharp-eyed viewers of a Russian media report on the Syrian war spotted a gaffe. Channel One mixed in an image from a video game with actual war footage. <laughs> they try to make it look worse by mixing in video game footage. Oh, why not? You can see for yourself at 4.59 mark of this YouTube video per Popular Mechanics, it seems an editor at the Russian outlet grabbed a clip from the first-person shooter game Arma 3 made by Bohemia, Bohemia Interactive. Catherine. My people. Reports the BBC, it didn't take long for users of Russia's version of Reddit, Peekaboo, to call out the mistake. And the uh, channel offered a mea culpa. The use of this frame was a mistake by the video editing director. You're lying. You tried to make it look like it was worse than it was. Yeah, no, you would know if you were exactly. mixing in footage from a video game. Well, it's, it's, I mean, Arma 3 isn't even like, you know, that great looking of a game. But what's the difference between using stock footage, which they do all the time? They do all the when time, When they don't yes. have a photographer out in the field, they just use no, stock footage. They're not footage. supposed to do that either. Well, they do. One reason the gaffe is drawing attention is that it comes about three months after the Russian Defense Ministry released irrefutable proof that the U.S. was providing assistance to the Islamic State. The only problem was some of the imagery that came from the game AC-130 Gunship Simulator Special Ops Squadron. Wow. Oh, they were, oh it, this was proof. Oh, that's different. That's different. They tried to make the United States look bad by using video game footage. That is unbelievable. Love to yeah. Well, that's why step one in every uh, totalitarian regime is make it illegal to question things that come out of the regime. <laughs> that's true. That's very, very true. Uh, yeah, you don't want to question anybody. Yeah, and whereas in the United States, we have a new rule. You have to question everything. Yeah, even if it's something you were there for. Yeah. If you were there in the room and you know it didn't happen, sorry, but... Uh, yeah, well... You know, it is unbelievable. You know, the same thing going on in China. Xi Jinping is, is, is going to, they're going to eliminate term limits for their for the president. He's becoming the emperor. Uh, and there's a huge uh, yeah. outcry there. And they're just going through and they're just trying to get rid of stuff as fast as they can. All the Winnie the Pooh kind of thing. Because he looks like he's got the body habitus of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> he put up pictures of Winnie the Pooh <laughs> just, just because it looks like him. So, oh, bother. how did China get the way it is? Because it's not. I mean, money. It's kind of becoming like you know, Legion of Robots money. world. But money because they don't let them. Well, yeah, I suppose there's that. You know, they, they, they've, they've allowed that, uh, the capitalism to sort of run free. And now they've got all this cash there and all these people with lots of cash, lots of corruption. And, yeah, it's just uh, that, that's why it's like that. That's why they're, And they want to keep it that way. So they're going to just get a little communism and just keep that money flowing. If we have a choice between money and freedom. We'll take the money. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, yeah, that's, that's how true. the world's gotten. People and their love of money, it's just gotten so disgusting. Yeah. They will do anything for money. Anything. I, I That's just, true. Uh, so email me, Dave, at darknessradio.com with your proposals. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> make sure that you get that done. Do it today, in other words. Gathered for the first time, Lee Daniels, Barry Jenkins, Jordan Peele, and John Singleton break down the politics of who can tell what story, the doors that didn't open, and the game-changing impact of Black Panther. It almost feels... Oh, God... It almost feels like, are black people going to go see white people's movies now that we have our own? Why would you even bring that up? What, what is the purpose of bringing that up? Well, you know, once um, Sweet Sweetback's badass song came out, That's right. black people stopped watching white movies. You're damn right. <laughs> J.R.'s Revenge, where there was an actual black guy that was, uh, he was uh, possessed by the devil. It, it, it didn't quite match up to The Exorcist. But it was a pretty good version of it. You know what I'm saying. In late January, Jordan Peele became just the fourth African-American filmmaker in the 90-year history of the Academy Awards to be nominated for Best Director. The 39-year-old behind Get Out follows John Singleton, who in 1992 was the category's youngest ever nominee at 24 when he was recognized for directing Boys in the Hood. Now, Boys in the Hood was a hell of a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Get Out is a complete ripoff of, of another movie. Along with Lee Daniels, now 58, Precious, uh, 2009, and Barry Jenkins, 38, Moonlight, 2016. Did you ever see Moonlight? No. One of the worst movies ever made. Which one is that? Uh, it came out about, I, I, it came out two two years ago and it was about, I, I can't even remember though. It was so horrible. Let's see here. I think it had to do with blackness and gayness and all kinds. They, got, they tried to get every oh, possible yeah, subject. Oh, involved. that was about the drug dealer. Drug dealers yeah. were in it, yeah. It was. An all-black cast and an LGBT, so it was basically just like, yeah. look at how woke we are. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. It was right. not good. If this elite group were expanded to include all black directors, it would add only Britain's Stephen McQueen, who earned his nomination in 2014 for helming 12 Years a Slave. None of these prior nominees ultimately took home the Oscar, with the March 4th ceremony looming, the racial makeup of the Academy and the industry at large under increased scrutiny. THR gathered the quartet for a candid conversation about how success can feel like failure. The door's Black Panther is opened, and why not one of these guys was able to enjoy this big night? Because not everybody wins. I'm sorry. I think Boys in the Hood was a good movie. Was it an Oscar best movie worthy? I don't think so. It was really good. Uh, I never saw Precious. I did see Moonlight, which was horrendous. I did not see 12 Years a Slave either, so I can't judge those movies. That was really good. 12 Years of Slave was really good. Yes, it was really good. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll happen. Not everything is based on race. I I just, when is this, when are they, is it all going to come to an end, do you think? Do you think it'll ever come to an end? No. It's programmed into humans. It it is, and it's human. Once we evolve past it in another 500,000 years or so. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I just think, put out good product. And first of all, i got to be honest with you. 
uh, all these awards and hey, you won the Oscar and you won this. You know, who gives a rat's ass? And I and I, I caught a lot of heat because of the the radio National Radio Hall of Fame, because when they first nominated me three years ago, I said, who cares? Whatever. Now they put me in, and once they put you in, then you got to go down and do it. And it's an honor, yes, and I understand that. But would my life have changed? Has my life changed for the better since I was named to the Hall of Fame? No. You know, it hasn't made it worse. It hasn't made it any better. It's just an award. People just love getting awards, don't they? Yeah, they love. Yes, love the little statue. I mean, it's the whole thing. Little trophies. Who cares? I mean, I've seen some movies. God, what was that one year where the worst movie ever made won the Oscar over like three or four really good movies? Almost it was about, all of them? Yeah, almost all of them. This is about ten years ago. So I wouldn't base all of your judgment on, on race, barriers and battling nerves, the whole situation. It just, winning an award, winning an Oscar, who, so what? Uh, who won Best Actor last year? And don't look it up. Who won Best Actor? Who won Best Actress? No clue. What well, best, best actress was Emma Stone, and they screwed it up at the end. Oh, that's oh, right. Is that, yeah, and the only reason you remember it up, remember it is because they screwed it up, right? Yeah. But is that the one I where mean, Warren Beatty stuff? had the had the uh, the card and knew that it was wrong? He yeah. and Faye Dunaway, right? Yep. I think so. I think that's exactly right. Now, all I can remember is, uh, and I'm very serious about this, Oscars that I can remember were uh, Marlon Brando, and George C. Scott. And you know why I remember them winning the Oscar? They because they didn't bother to show up to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of them showed up to get it. That's why I remember who won the Oscar that year. Because George C. Scott thought it was stupid. And Marlon Brando sent Princess Littlefeather. Is it true that Princess Littlefeather wasn't really a Native American? <laughs> or she wasn't really... I wouldn't doubt there it. There is a rumor out there that she wasn't even Native American, and she certainly wasn't Princess Littlefeather. <laughs> uh, let's see. She is, well, it says her father's side is Apache, Yaqui, and Pueblo. Okay, so uh, she really was Native Well, her American. mother is French, German, and Dutch. Okay, was she really a Princess Littlefeather? I really don't think so. Yeah, that's what they say. Is that they Marlon just made it up to piss everybody off, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, Which no, she much. was not a princess or anything. Look, if we're going to start getting in arguments about who wins the Oscar, I'm out, because who cares? Right. Either you liked the movie or you didn't. You made a good movie or you didn't. So, Kristen, don't bother calling in the next no. week. <laughs> yeah, Kristen, you're out. Sorry. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Love. 
song right there. Are any of you guys going to watch the Oscars on Sunday night? Nope. Nope. I do not have the means or the motivation. Means or motivation. I sometimes watch about 15 minutes of it I before I get sick years. of it. I have not seen him in years. But, it just gets to be too much. It's far too political for me now. And, and, and Kristen said that they lengthened it now, right? Four and a half hours. Long? Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, no. why? Because We're living in a generation have... where the single most popular medium of anyone who is under the age of like 20 right now when they were growing up was Vine, which That's is true. six <laughs> second long clips. That's very true. Four and a half hours is quite far uh, Far removed I from think Vine. It's because the uh, actors have to get in their political speeches yeah, and they're ranting so. and raving. The speeches need to. I mean, yeah. like, no, have you ever heard after the Oscars someone is like, you got to hear the speech that, you know, this one actor did when they accepted their reward? It's like maybe one out of yeah. however many 50 or whatever speeches. Probably. They're just a waste of time no one cares about. So cut all that. You got, like, a one-hour thing. People will watch that. I believe the first one ran 11 minutes. The first Oscars uh, presentation ran 11 minutes. Was that just Oscar? I think he just showed up at some bar oh, I'm and Oscar. had dinner. And said, Apparently, the Oscar uh, awards went a couple of minutes, and then they ate dinner, and that took about an hour and a half. That sounds about and right. That was it. Let me know when Les- Leslie's ready to go, would you please? Uh, she's good to go. Leslie Visser, how are you? Well, I hope that I missed the part where you talked about Atticus Finch. Oh, I love Atticus Finch. Movie role ever. Yeah, I love Atticus Finch, as a matter of fact. And now, of course, schools all across America will not allow their students to read the book. What, what do you mean you're not allowed? That's they, like a, they removed it from the libraries. Seriously, like when, when I, uh, I'm, I'm a native Bostonian and, you know, love that dirty water. Like they had books, mm-hmm. I think the Scarlet Letter they removed from libraries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, late, the latest two were... Um, to Kill a Mockingbird, and I Huckleberry think Finn. the other one was by F. Scott Fister. Huckleberry Finn, that's exactly right. Well, oh, yeah, because it has the N yeah. word in it. Yep, Huck is banned now. No, Huckleberry Finn. And I believe they've taken almost all of F. Scott Fitzgerald out because he uh, dropped the N-bomb a few times in, in his books as well. So well, I, well, they I'm probably left in some. So I don't mind. You know, F, I think I really think you know how the world comes down to vanilla and chocolate? I think it comes yes. down to either Hemingway or Fitzgerald, and I'm a Hemingway girl. See, now you and I will be arguing the entire 15 minutes. Way to go, Leslie. <laughs> but we haven't even gotten to Paul a, We haven't even gotten to Paul Castronovo. Catherine and I had dinner with Paul uh, about, what was that, two weeks ago? Yeah. I we Paul Castronovo. ridiculous because you don't want to bring your mouth back around for Castronovo. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, we did, as a matter of fact. I, uh, you know what's great? It's talking to you and talking to Michelle Tafoya. I, I get the feeling that you're both, like, just tolerant of me, and that's about it. <laughs> we both you. love you, but, yes, we are old friends, and your name does come up. <laughs> <laughs> and your name does come up. Well, that's great news, Leslie. That's really, really great news. It's sort of hit and move uh, on. Hit and move on. Um, well, you spend you spend some time in the uh, in the Miami area, so listen to Paul Castronovo. I, I would assume once in a while. Well, you know, you're both. I mean, what I know of both of you is I could see that you guys would be friends for decades. I mean, I know you're Mr. Marconi. He probably is too, but uh, he's so yeah, popular. He I think I think Paul is the Tom of Miami. Oh God, don't tell him that. <laughs> I should be the. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, see, I could never tell them. No, we had a wonderful time. Actually, as you've, uh, you're on your book tour, uh, Leslie Visser has written a book called Sometimes You Have to Cross When It Says Don't Walk, a memoir of breaking barriers. So you've been on, you've been on a, a very long radio tour anyway. I assume that night we, were, uh, we had dinner with Bob Rivers, who was the number one morning guy in Seattle, Brother Wheeze, who was the number one morning guy in Rochester, New York, Paul Castronovo, uh, and, and I, uh, our, our lovely wives, were, were there. Except for Paul's wife was sick, but I don't know if she was sick of him or sick of me. She was sick of something. A little of both, perhaps. <laughs> you know what, but I, bet the, I bet the pictures were the four guys together, you know, like in seventh grade at the at the yep. got it. I, Yeah, <laughs> they did like it. the four guys were together and the wives were somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Pretty close, huh? Oh, got it. Yeah, oh, it's very, very close, Leslie. It was very, very close. But we went uh, went to a nice a nice dinner. Had a great time. Everybody was oh telling these guys tell their radio stories from the past year, oh, several decades actually was. We did figure out that the four of us together combined have been doing radio for 171 years. <laughs> oh God, that's that's Edison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Leslie. No, it's there all of us go. combined, not just one of us. All oh, of us oh, combined, oh. not just one of us. <laughs> but you, now, speaking of that, by the way, you, not being old, I'm just talking about uh, as time goes by, you changed television forever. Do you get credit for that? Uh, I finally learned to embrace it. Thank you for asking. And I've made peace with my hair, which was really a big thing, because uh, I wanted to call my, No, no, you have no idea. Uh, uh, well, you know. Uh, it, I wanted to call my book Heranoia, which I thought was so, <laughs> so I finally made peace with it, you know, and it all lives on Google, all my 19 hairdos. But um, I started so as a writer with the Boston Globe. I still imagine myself as a writer. It was a fabulous sports section, as you know. Every, every single person was the best at his position. It was Peter Gammons on baseball, Bob Ryan on basketball, Bud Collins on tennis. So, I mean, you just didn't take the floor unless Will McDonough on football. You didn't take the floor unless you had something interesting, clever, or original to say. God, it's so amazing. You told your mother when you were 11 years old you wanted to be a sports writer, and she said that job doesn't exist for women. Which she it was didn't. right. She was right. It, your mother was absolutely right. But you changed all of that. Well, she was brilliant with me because instead of dissuading me, she said, and when I said I, I want to be a sports writer, you know, I'd started reading. I mean, we all read Sport and Smith, but, you know, I'd started reading Sports Illustrated. We lived in Cincinnati and Sandy Koufax. And um, oh, so instead of dissuading me, she said, that's great. Sometimes you have to cross when it says don't walk. I love that. It was great. Yeah, it gave uh, me permission. It is. It was wonderful. At first, I have to imagine it was not... Much like talking to Castronova or me, it wasn't that easy at first. No, you know, I mean, things, uh, I'm not going to laugh about it anymore, but I used to tell the anecdote yeah. about how there were no ladies' rooms because I was the first woman. And then, did you see the movie Hidden Figures? Yep. Yes. Well, remember that scene where Kevin Costner says, I don't think it's Octavia Spencer, I think it's one of the others, and he says, where do you go every day? And she said, well, I go to the restroom and he makes a face and he says huh, for 40 minutes and she said yes the colored bathroom is a half a mile away 
and that was my life. I mean, that was my life. There yeah. were there were no ladies' rooms in press boxes because there were no women. So I used to have to plan it. You know, how can I get down the press elevator across the field to the one public restroom before the team punch? So I used to so like amazing. tell that as an anecdote, but then when I saw that movie, I said, "Wow, that mm-hmm. was kind of hard." Yeah, that was very, very hard, as a matter of fact. And I got to believe that not all guys were all that happy about you being there. Uh, I had the blessing of the people from the Globe were great to me, and they all were such Wonderful. legends themselves. Uh, so they were great to me, and um, you know the players, of course, the players. I mean, Michelle, anybody will tell you this. I mean, it's sort of a player's DNA to hit on you. But um, I had the backing of the Globe, and the Globe was a very big, muscular, powerful sports section. Mm -hmm. And because I had them behind me, I could, yeah, I took a lot of, uh, you know, no one teaches you how to be humiliated. (laughs) It's the one course you can't take in college, right? That's a very good point, actually. I don't think people even think about that. But, yeah, being humiliated is very uncomfortable. That would be nice if somebody taught you how to feel, once you're humiliated, how to get past the, yeah. the horrible feeling of being humiliated. Yeah, and I used to say to myself, wow, I want to represent the globe. I want to represent the Visser name, the family. I know that I'm the first woman, uh, and so I'll save it for when I'm back in the hotel room by myself. But it really makes you go cold, you know. When I can remember mm-hmm. the first question I ever asked of the Patriots coach at the time was a guy Chuck Fairbanks. Do you remember him at all? He, sure, he, Abs- I think he absolutely played for Switzer or maybe uh, went went to Oklahoma. But you know, he was really like a glinty-eyed uh, guy from the Midwest. And the very first question I said, I was so proud of myself. Right, I'm on the Patriots beat, and I said, uh, <laughs> asked him about one of his linemen. And the first thing he ever said to me was, why don't you call my daughter to go to lunch? You're about the same age. <laughs> <laughs> so I was mortified. Wow. I was mortified. But <laughs> I know, I know. And I was just like, what? But, um, yeah, so anyway, nobody teaches you how to be humiliated. But uh, I had, I tried to use humor as a default mechanism. I guess that worked for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But... Yeah, yeah you the, and Michelle both, actually. Yes, and she, I mean, remember the very first time you were on with her, didn't you <laughs> say something to her? Oh, yes. She could, yeah. Yes, I did. She tells that story. And she she could have gone either way, but she just laughed. She laughed and laughed and laughed, and I thought, that this is a woman. Well, I tell you what, uh, we can't get into it too much here, but you know who Joel McHale is, the actor, sure. TV show guy. He, he has a, the Joel McHale show now. It just started on, on Netflix. And he said something to Michelle this morning on, on, on the morning show you were on with us that she, she she handled it so well it was unbelievable. It Very quickly, and I can't really, because Leslie, you know, I've talked to you, but I don't, I don't know you well enough to, uh, but uh, we're talking about Afrikaans, which is the language of South Africa. And the word for children or child or young girl in Afrikaans is a filthy word in English. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean the same thing. It just means child, but it's a filthy word. And I asked Joel about that, and he said the word, and Michelle went, oh, oh. <laughs> <Like that. laughs> well, but then she just bounced right back. Oh, she bounced. Yeah, she's so smart. 
But um, Visser, m- many of my relatives are buried in South Africa. My father is from Amsterdam. It's a very common Dutch name. Uh, means fisherman, Visser. And uh, so, yes, Afrikaans, I'm quite familiar with it. And uh, you know how we, I don't know if you have any regrets, but one of my regrets in my life is that I have never been to Robben Island. I've met Mr. Mandela. I, I met him once, and he, God, he did have an aura about him. But I never mm-hmm. went to see that cell where, I mean, how do you spend 24 years in a cell and you don't right. come out bitter? It's like me being in radio all these years. How am I not bitter? <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, you know what? It's even tougher I, deal. I thought, I thought for about five times that you retired. Like, the, people would ask me about you, and I'd say, oh, he retired. And then all of a sudden, there you are again. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Leslie. It's very nice of you. Very nice of you to bring that up. Any day now. I gotta. I, I have to read something to someone from your bio. We're talking to Leslie Visser about sometimes you have to cross when it says don't walk, a memoir of breaking barriers. How old were you when you started, Leslie? Uh, I think I was 19. I was like a sophomore at Boston College, and I won a Carnegie Foundation grant that entitled me to go anywhere. Maybe I was 20, and of course I went to the Globe, uh, and the Carnegie Corporation paid the stipend. I mean, people don't know that Andrew Carnegie was one of our great philanthropists in this country. I mean, you know, he before was, the yes. gates of the world, he, I think he founded about 2,000 libraries in the United States. How did it feel when you, as, at 19 or 20 years old, looked at your credential and it said right on the credential, no women or children in the press box? That had to be a little yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, that was pretty diminishing. That was pretty diminishing. <laughs> uh, but I really, I, I don't know how millennials feel now, but... I just had such an attitude of gratitude. I said, I, really, I cannot yeah. believe that I am going to cover the, the New England Patriots. They had moved on. You know, they were a joke as the Boston Patriots. That's when they played at Harvard and BU and Boston College and Fenway Park. But they finally got a stadium. They were the New England Patriots. And I just, I was astonished that I was going to be covering them as a beat. So I looked at them more as a challenge than a hurdle you know it, it wasn't in me yes. to be angry at that time it was only in me to have gratitude well since you've done this to, to me i'm going to do it to you now you talked when the last time about being in the national radio hall of fame and the marconi and all that stuff leslie visser is the first and only woman in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the only female sportscaster to have carried the Olympic torch, the only woman to have presented the championship Lombardi trophy at the Super Bowl, and the first woman on the network broadcast of the Final Four, Super Bowl, and NBA Finals. You're you're pretty special, Leslie. (laughs) Or as uh, Michelle said, you took all the firsts. <laughs> yeah, she can't. She can't do a damn thing because you took them all, Leslie. It's, a, it's but, always a. But I will. Uh, but I will tell you quickly. Uh, at the, uh, I went in a great class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It was Troy Aikman, the late great Reggie White, and all I remember is Michael Irvin had gone, of course, for Troy, and people were knocking me down to get to Michael Irvin, and I was like, "This is my year, Michael." <laughs> You're a joy to talk to, and one of these days I'm going to reach out to Paul, and then Paul will reach out. We'll reach out to, to, to the three of us, and then we'll get together with our spouses, and we'll have dinner. And I just want to hear the stories. That's all I want to hear the stories. Oh God, me too. You're on, and uh, we'll call Michelle. All right, my dear. Thank you. Deal. Thank you, Tom. Bye, hon. Leslie Visser, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. 
you know how, what an honor it is for a legend like her to even know who the hell I am? See, that's what's so great about this job. That woman is a legend. She broke down so many doors sure did. for broadcasters, for sportscasters. Leslie was a tough woman from Boston, but she's just as sweet a human being as you'd ever want to meet. Leslie Visser, the book is called Sometimes You Have to Cross When It Says Don't Walk, a memoir of breaking barriers. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Why are you playing Because I'm Easy? Is Doug easy? <laughs> well, I have been married Maybe three times. There you go. <laughs> there it is. My wife's listening. Can I stay at your place tonight? <laughs> Oops, sorry. We're real, I'm very excited to welcome our guest, Michelle Tafoya, to Car Selling Secrets. We've been... Trying to get her on, I think, uh, since the fall, and she's got some weird weekend job where she kind of takes a lot of her time, but she's got a little break now. Lame. Michelle, Lame. Uh, as a car selling secrets <laughs> tradition, before we get started, we'd like you to tell the story about the very first car you ever owned. And if it's not a great story, just lie. That's what most of the guests have done. Okay. Well, the first car, I, I, my parents actually owned it, but they got it for me to go to and from college. It, the color was once described to me as artificial limb colored. So try to picture that. Oh, pretty. Uh, you know, oh. it was very, um, yeah, tr- kind of skin color, kind of not. It was a Ford Mustang II, and it was very ugly. And uh, But it did the job, but I, I just kept forgetting to change the oil in it. And uh, so oh. at one point, the, yeah, it, it burned out. My dad got oh. really angry with me, and we gave it to my cousin to fix and never saw it again. Uh, you know, my stepdad had, I think, that exact car, because the Mustang II was, like, pretty much the worst Mustang ever made. They were made from, I think, 74 through 78, 
And it was basically a Ford Pinto with a different body on them. They were really, yeah. really slow. But the good thing is they were unreliable. So <laughs> <laughs> That was the one thing you could rely on, yep. that they were unreliable. Yeah. Oof. So and now you're rolling around, and I, I don't want to tell people what you're driving. I actually happen to know. So, you um, don't know. I don't think you do know. Uh, did you trade, or are you still driving no. the Volvo? I'm still driving the Volvo. See, I know. I keep you track know? of potential that customers. That is scary. That's kind of spooky. <laughs> I, you'd realize I sell cars for a living. It would be like you saying, yeah, Tom Brady's still pretty good. Oh, okay. I mean, All right. it's kind of my profession. Oh. What? kind of mean. Because he's not. <laughs> he's. We'll see. Okay, let's not. I don't want to talk football because the Vikings are out and it's boring. <laughs> exactly. I did want to ask Michelle to talk about something, and I emailed her to see if this would be okay. I said, you know, we can talk about whatever you guys want, but one of the things that you've talked about occasionally on the KQ Morning Show is something interesting because... Uh, your husband and I, and you and my wife, share something that's really kind of weird. Your husband and I both have the yips as baseball players. We can't throw a baseball accurately. And right. both you and my wife suffered from uh, eating disorders as teenagers. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't know and really don't talk about it. If, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little about how that affected you and, and what happened. First, I'll just say what's affecting me right now is why are guys throw a baseball attracted to women who used to have eating disorders. I, that is weird. really weird. Oh. Maybe we could start a club. <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Why, you know, I think it's because we're all screwed up at a certain uh, level. But, yeah, I was probably 13 years old. Um, had all, I was the youngest of four kids and had always been called chubby. And I grew up in Manhattan Beach where every summer girls were in their bikinis all over the beach and I was very embarrassed and shy and not comfortable in my own skin. And this, there came a point that I remember it really well. We had taken a long weekend and gone skiing, which I was terrible at. And as we were driving down the mountain, as we always did, leaving Mammoth Mountain in California, we went by this bakery called Shots Bakery. And everyone would get a, you know, a donut or a whatever, sure. a bear claw. And I said, I'm not getting one. And I remember that moment so, so succinct or so clearly because it, to me it marked the beginning of this. Uh, I'm not going to eat anymore. <laughs> and immediately, probably within a couple of months, I just dropped thirty, thirty-five pounds. And I it was I was ridiculously skinny. I was about five foot six, and I weighed about eighty-five pounds. Oh, jeez. And it was yes. pretty skeletal. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh. I know. <laughs> And uh, worse than anything, um, and I'm very fortunate that I came out of it healthy, uh, yes. at least in body. But <laughs> my poor well, parents, exactly. <laughs> healthy in mind is another thing, as Tom well knows. But um, it scares the hell out of my parents, and I, I still carry a, a certain amount of guilt about that. Yeah, it's. I haven't read much about it, but it predominantly it affects teenage girls. Is that right? Predominantly. Um, there are some men that it affects and some women who it affects when they get older. And I, I'll tell you something. I can spot it a mile away now because I'm so familiar with what it looks like and what it... Right. You can just sense it. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen an anorexic 
woman who is older, but at that point, there's almost no turning back, and the thinness, it just looks so unhealthy and, and I mean, really kind of skeletal. And you can tell because it's often a woman who's clearly of means. I mean, she's not like she's starving. It's just that she won't eat. And um, so, yeah, it's, there are a number of things about it. It happens to women who, um, young women who feel that's the only thing they can control in their lives, and so they want control, and so that's the thing that they grab control of. Well, I can control my eating, I can control my dieting, my, my exercise, and how skinny I get. And so, you know, and then there's Karen Carpenter who died. Sure, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine had a good friend who she had no idea that she had an anorexia problem, like, lifelong. And all of a sudden, her friend just died. Oh. And she was just, what What happened? What happened? And it was because I, apparently all systems just shut down because she had yep. been starving herself for so many years. Her body just yeah. stopped working. One organ fails and the rest follow. Jeez. Yeah. 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 And, oh, and she was a really so good friend of hers and had no idea. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine that you wouldn't know, although I suppose if you're good at it, you can hide it. Or, you know, you sure. mix in that bulimia where you maybe you go out to eat with mm. a friend and then the next thing you know, you're puking it up in the next room. But uh, so that's another part of it is that bulimia. And um, so it's 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 look, I, I, I the, these days there are so many more advancements in terms of identifying it and treating it and when my mom finally took me to see the doctor he looked at me and he said you need to eat more go to mcdonald's you know it's oh my god so kind of you know and that was very difficult but i did for me what turned the um what sort of switched in my mind was i started to lose my hair and i had really uh, long those were the days girls of long and silky if you remember those commercials and i had long and silky hair and it started to just fall out in clumps. You were brown-haired Marsha Brady, in other words. <laughs> kind of like that. I had Marsha Brady hair. It was very popular back then. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, God. it was. But uh, when it started to fall out, and I noticed how thin my hair had gotten, that scared the hell out of me, and and I got back on track. So, Is this okay. something that you learned... You, you you didn't instinctively do the, did the, did this, right? Or do that. You... you did somebody tell you about it, or did you just think I'm fat, I'm just not going to eat? It's a great question, because I also have this memory of sitting with my friend, Jenny Zaccaro, who was naturally thin, was a little gymnast, but she was my dear friend, and we read about anorexia in, like, Tiger Beat magazine or Teen or one of those magazines. And I said to her, gosh, I wish I could get this, but not for a long time. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, I just—I was so self-conscious of my weight. I really was, and and so yeah, you get to that those teen years where it, you're you're very, you know, you're insecure. You're you're comparing yourself to everyone, and so I just yeah, I just stopped eating, and I started. I I'd, for, I mean, I'd exercise. I'd go in our backyard and just run circles around this little backyard, and it, it was crazy. You know, you brought up something I would like that to I point want. Out. Uh, go ahead, Tom. 
I just want to pick one thing very quickly. Uh, I have a bottle of Perrier L'Orange that I've been drinking, and I was taking a big pull out of it when she said, and then you just puke it out. Like, Thanks, Michelle. Thank especially you Especially with so the bubbles. Light. Especially with the bubbles. Especially with the bubbles. That yeah, helps. exactly. I lived with a bulimic person. Yes, you did. Um, for a year and a half. Oh, yeah, and that was interesting because it was one of those things where it was like, I think she might be bulimic, but then you don't want to think... And you don't want to go up to somebody that's right. not bulimic and be like, are you bulimic? Right. But then it became, like, blatantly obvious, and she would, like, only eat air-popped popcorn and then do uh, all of her oh homework God. on a treadmill. Oh. And, yeah. Like, yeah. it was a lot. And then, you know, we'd go out to dinner for celebrations of, like, somebody's birthday. And, like, after eating every single time, she'd leave. And we found out that she had a toothbrush in her purse. And so it was just, like, oh. very, very obvious. That she was bulimic, and then Dan's college girlfriend had bulimia and anorexia, and then there's now, there's exercise anorexia, where you just work out constantly, yep. and then there's also, yeah. and then there's also orthorexia, which I was, like, pretty close to getting, I was, like, on the line, which is obsession with healthy eating. So right. it's no calorie restriction or anything, but it's, like, you know, looking at every label of everything you eat, and... And Not. you consider yourself cured of that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't read, I don't read every label no, to everything I'm, okay, that I I'm eat. Teasing you. I, well, that's a good, What's the that's call? important. That's a good I read labels well, to some things, and I don't, there are certain things that I do avoid, like I don't eat artificial dyes if I can, but it's like I eat plenty of sugar, and I don't, I'm, I don't obsess over it. I still have... That's that's the difference. Yeah, that's it, I have like, it, I have a very healthy relationship with food now, I believe, and it's yeah, it's the obsession and that it takes over every exactly interaction you have with food. I have a, yeah. I have a question and this is for all the women on the show. Uh, my daughter is 16 and it, and it's I'm, she, I'm certain she's not anorexic, but you talk about lack of confidence and I think that's harder for teenage girls than it is for teenage boys and i've seen a huge personality shift in her after she went through the first change you know because as a kid she was like life of the party she would constant she run around actually michelle like a sideline reporter she'd interview people (laughs) in the family from when she was five she'd pick up something pretend it was a microphone and occasionally she'd even interview herself so eleanor uh, how are you finding the telecaster movie awards well that's a great question i'm glad you asked and now of course (laughs) she's more of a sullen teenager which i guess is part of it but but her confidence breaks my heart i know it it, breaks my heart because girls Girls a lot of times seem to just go radio silent for a year or two. I, I One of my nieces, who now is a nonstop chatterbox, I don't think she said a word for two years. Really? There, I, I think it, yeah, I think they're so, so, so afraid of, <laughs> of embarrassing themselves or saying the wrong thing or looking stupid or whatever that they just won't even participate. It's terrible. Yeah, I, and that's what I see in her. Although she's not reclusive, she's big in speech and debate, which is verbal competition. But she's so, you know, if she gets an A minus, the world's coming to an end. It's she's just, just like, really hard just, on herself. Yeah, it's hard on yeah. herself, and I think it's you know it's a, a self security issue. I think. Oh I yeah. Well, I think it is worth paying attention to though, because those perfectionist qualities often lead to other things, and that's what I can say too. Is and I've always been extremely hard on myself that way and a perfectionist in many ways and so 
Doug, I don't know if you're that way or if your wife is oh, that Gus, way. Uh, no, I'm totally the opposite. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to get a 23 and Me test because she might not be my kid. <laughs> I'm oh kidding. My I'm God. just kidding. It's a joke. Yeah, she Jeez. looks just like you, but other than A little bit, yeah. Well, and Michelle, part- you, you heard how he introduced the whole show, so perfectionism yeah. is not his thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good oh, point. Wow. I, I should have picked up on Kathy. that. Low blow. It's one take no matter what. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we got to take a break here in about a minute, but I just have one question along these lines. So, what's it like being Spanish? Thank you very much. Muy bien. Muy, muy bien. Muy, muy bien, baby. Actually, Tom, Tom, if we could keep, she's got a hard stop in about four minutes, so if we could go a little bit over. What? She apparently has more to do than hang out with you and talk about football. Nothing. This has been fun. It's making me want to cancel my appointment, but I can't. What appointment? H&R Block? I've got to get my shoes no, shined. Turbotex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to divulge my appointment to you because you'll find, you know, you'll find something about it to make fun of. It's probably a manicure. Actually, or something. I got some bad news. No, for no, no. I, some... I already had a manicure. This okay, perfect. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got some bad news for you, Michelle. What's that? And I and I have no idea where you live. I kind of know where you live, but I think we're going to be neighbors in about a month. <laughs> So now, have you guys sold your place? Yes, functionally. Well, it's pending. Well, it's pe- well yes, yeah, for three weeks. We're three weeks from closing. Wow. Okay, so that's a good thing. And then, are you? Is it because you're downsizing now that your kids are out of the yes. house? That's correct. Yes. And to be exactly. closer to the grandchildren. Well, I mean, we've been out of yes, the house for what ten years, but. You know. hey, More than Michelle, I just you... looked around one day and said, wow, we have a lot of rooms we haven't even walked yeah. into yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in years. Yeah. Michelle, if you're, so... free, if you're free Saturday afternoon, head on over there. Alex is going to let us raid the wine cellar. Yeah. But don't tell Here, Tom or Kathy. already took all of it it's out. Been raided. Damn it. Already yeah. took all the it's wine. It's already under so lock and key you. away from you. Good luck oh, to you, Michelle. That could have been a great fundraising opportunity. You're right. I would have bid on some of that stuff. There is some there oatmeal go. in the basement <laughs> that's been there for yes, about oatmeal. eight years. Great. So there's still oatmeal. Yeah, left behind. And there's <laughs> beer. There's I think I actually God, threw that, that out. beer is ancient. I don't even know how old No, it isn't. I bought the oh, beer not. for the Smile Network party. Oh, oh that's not the beer that you bought that was sitting there no. for like six years? Yeah. No, dear. No. Anyway, Michelle's no, going it was not. Michelle, <laughs> before, you, before you have to go, I wanted to thank you for being on the show and being willing to talk about this stuff. I do, in all seriousness, I think... I think it's really important that people hear these stories. Yes. I, I, I agree, and, and keep telling them. And, um, yeah, and if you even think someone has an issue, I would say just don't worry about what they think of you if you bring it up because it it does very often take intervention yeah. to get someone to get help, and, it's, and, and you might regret it if you don't. I'd like to point out that my life is, is a misery because I just got a text message from a, uh, uh, one of our listeners. And I can just read it to you if you want, Michelle. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, your long and extended radio career. Who's the greatest guy you ever worked with in radio? Someone's asking me that? Yes. 
can I say Doug Sprinthal? Yes! yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew let's it. get you out of that Volvo into something nice. <laughs> Oh, it's a big old discount on a car for you. There it is. Yeah. There it is. You get a car. Free tire rotation. I get teed up once again. Typical. Yep. You brought it on That's yourself, bud. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, apparently. Oh, I got to read one thing to you before you go because I think you'll yeah. like this. Because he's a good friend of mine and just a great guy. Uh, it was revealed by the Star Tribune today that Mike Lindell is considering running for governor in two years. And I didn't know anything about that. He didn't, I have, really? he didn't even mention it to me, but he's thinking about running for governor. Mm-hmm. And there was a comment that was sent to me by a listener. Well, that's great, but I'm holding out for Phil Swift, the Flex Seal guy. Got <laughs> <laughs> a hole in the federal budget? <laughs> Well, we'll seal oh. it up with flex seal. Is he the guy that sprayed the screen and turned, <laughs> it, into into yeah, turned it into a yes. boat? Yes, yes. That. That's Phil Swift. Yes, oh, that's who we want for. That is Isn't that the greatest? I'm holding up for Phil Swift. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, we'll go back to bed because I know that's what you're going to do. No, it's not. I am off you're and a about. Disaster. Great all right, to well, thank to you for joining. I miss you guys. Miss you, too. It's good to talk to you. Good to hear your voice. Bye. Bye. Bye, Michelle Tafoya, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back with the family. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, this is a tough time for businesses not only in the Twin Cities but all over right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what North American Banking Company is doing for your customers? Tommy at the bank, we're helping businesses with all of our tools at our disposal. Lenders are working as long as it takes with our customers to help them through these tough times. We've processed well over 300 loans for customers and funded over $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. Through our payment deferment program, our current customers were able to skip one, two, or even four payments with no penalty. Finally, being a locally owned and operated bank, we're able to move quickly and take action for our customers when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker? God, I can't tell you how great (laughs) it is working with Billski. Did you record that, Andy? Could you send that to me? North American (laughs) Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Five seconds ago. Done. Done. It was raining yesterday. Here. Indeed, it was. Fawn was like, it's raining. It was raining. This morning. Fawn was like, it's raining. It's not supposed to rain in winter. <laughs> it's like, she's right. It's true. It's weird. 
That was exciting. Ex- I just talked to Michelle for 20, 25 minutes and didn't talk about sports once. Yeah, not at all. No, that's yeah. exactly right. That's or exactly cars. right. Or cars. Yeah, well, well a minute on cars, but oh, that was well, about yeah, it. I suppose. And yeah, at the, the end. I did, I, I did not know she had anorexia. I never even knew I, that. That's what I she, said during the break. I was she like, mentioned it once or twice, and I think the first time I heard her say something about it was in the old studio. Because yeah. she was on this podcast yeah. for, what, about six months or so? We talked about it in the old yeah. Yes, yeah, we, we did, talked yeah. about it a long time ago. Well, a while back. I've actually lost friends over Michelle Tafoya. Talking <laughs> to them about their eating disorders. And, oh, really? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because I never heard of eating disorders until I was in my 20s. So I think that there was some sort of course, I, you know, not saying this because, oh, you know, I'm so wonderful, but I was well, super I thin. As a child yeah. and a teenager. Oh, oh me you mean when I met you and you weighed so, about four pounds? So I never had to think about my weight, to tell you the truth. But um, I don't know. I don't remember anybody in high school having an eating disorder. And I remember, I think I was 26 or something, and somebody said, "Do you, did you ever have an eating disorder? And I said, what's an eating disorder? And they were like, what do you mean, what's an eating disorder? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they told me all about it because she had one. And then after she told me about it, I started hearing all kinds of people having them. So I, I don't know if it was like a an actress or I think the first somebody time that brought this in. To Karen the, Carpenter was the one that put it on my radar. I'd never heard anything about it, and I don't re- when when did Karen Carpenter die? Oh, a long oh, time ago. Now. Was it the late seventies or early eighties? She died in eighty three. Eighty three. Yeah. So she died. You of want to hear a quick anorexia? story? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she did. Yep. Heart failure. Heart failure. And she was yeah. about 70 pounds. I was in the record business at that time. Well, I just got out of the record business because I left in 82. I left Capitol in 1982. And she died a year later. And I knew the guy that did uh, the la- What label were they on? Again? I don't even remember. I want to say label, Arista for some on? reason. But... I think that's right. So it would have been Tom Gorman. Oh. Because yeah, Gorman was the uh, Arista rep. He calls me and he goes, oh, my God. And I said, what's the matter? He said, I just went up to Karen Carpenter's room. She, she weighs about, like, 70 pounds. I said, what? And I had brought up some flowers for her. And in the flowers, there was a little box of candy that I didn't even know about. It came with the flowers, right? right? That happens sometimes, yep. She lit him up, I guess, like a Christmas tree. Oh, boy. Get that garbage away from me. You're a horrible human being. <sighs> I guess she would. And she died a few days later. Uh, when, when long after well, that. Well, when you're that. She couldn't even look at food. Yeah, when you're that small, it's like a very, very serious mental illness. It's <sighs> too well. bad. I don't think the double standard for women's weight has shifted that much. I think no. certain cultures it has. It's gotten better. It's definitely better, yeah, but it's st- still not. You see more representations great. of regular bodies than you did, but it's oh, still yeah. not. Well, Target has plus size models all over the place now. They mm-hmm. do indeed. Mm-hmm. I will yeah. say this: uh, the thing that drove her to that, and I do know that story once again because in the record business. The reason she developed that eating disorder is because so many people in the press, and I don't know why they did this to her, but they would they would write stories about the Carpenters and, and, and write things like, it's too bad her her brother is prettier than she is. Oh, oh, oh God. They always talked about how, that they and she wasn't a homely woman. She wasn't all that great looking, but she, she was wasn't homely. Nice for a drummer. Looking, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, for a drummer, <laughs> yes. That's a fact. No, she, act, I mean, yeah. she was a pretty good drummer, actually. 
Yeah, she was. Hell of a singer. Great singer. Yep. Great singer. But, you know, people, when you're that successful, people have to drag you down. They have to try to drive their uh, heel into your back. Oh, yeah. Well, and, look and at Adele. Adele, the same Adele, thing. Adele, same thing. Yeah, that's what, right. That cover of, what was it, Vogue or one of those fashion magazines, they had her look like a a monster because they were trying yeah. to make her face thinner with all this contouring and yep. all this lighting, and she looked awful. That's that's yeah, one of the true. things I kind of like about Lizzo. She gets right out there and says, if you don't say, like it, F you. Yeah, Lizzo was just on the cover of something like L or something, and I saw somebody had commented with, it was like, Lizzo, you need to eat a salad and like vomiting emojis. But, like, oh, that's from, nice. But then, on this, but, but then on this person's Instagram, it was a picture of her and it was like, every woman should love her body just for what it is. It's like, and you're oh shouting at Lizzo to eat a salad with barf emojis? Okay. That's like such, I don't know. Other women are part of, a big part of the reason that people oh, have. Absolutely. Well, they well, it was like, mostly women that yeah, most mostly women that went after Karen Carpenter. Well, and it's like I follow an account on Instagram that the woman, it's a couple, they're engaged and the woman is very thin. She was a model and now she's like a comedian on Instagram. And they posted a video the other day of the the guy saying, "Oh, you look extra skinny today." Saying that that was, uh, you know, like a, a huge compliment. She was like, what do you mean extra skinny? What did I look like yesterday? Was I bigger oh, yesterday? God. Like all this stuff. And I was like, this is so horrible. Was like, This is just ridiculous. And she's so, so, so thin, which it's, I don't know. I have a friend that was anorexic when she was eight. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. And she was an extremely thin eight-year-old, too. Like not because of anorexia. And she's, as an adult now, she's my age, still very thin. Not doesn't she of... see the? Sorry. Doesn't she see the kind of weird uh, time of life? You should not stop eating when you're eight. You know what I mean? Well, that, I don't know. Where does an eight-year-old even get that in her head? Well, but it is so many. I you're mean, eight. I, I think of so many things. It's like from when you're pregnant in women. It's you know how much weight did you gain? How big do they say the baby is? How big was the baby oh, when the yeah. baby was born? Oh, it's a chunky baby, and oh, they're this size, and blah blah blah. And fawn is so small, and everyone talks about how small, small fawn is all the time. It's like everybody's constantly talking about everybody's size. It's like yeah, well, that's quit because. It. <laughs> Weight is one of the biggest killers of Americans right now, so people overreact. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but it's just like, why does everybody have to constantly talk about every? I don't know, like fun because and they they want they Sorry. want to make sure that you're not comfortable in your own skin. They want to be a victim, and by picking on you, I don't know how that makes them a victim. Everybody wants to be a victim. I don't get that. As I said, if if you victimize me, I would never claim to be a victim because it just gives you more power. No way would I do that. It's a big mistake. I know one of the things that I I really like our pediatrician, but when Safan lost over a pound between eighteen months and two years and mm -hmm. the way that he dealt with that, I was like very happy with. It made me like him that much more because he was like I have a feeling that she's just the kind of kid that eats and burns it off at the same time you know she just never she stops sure moving which she does <laughs> she and he's sure like does. but if That's she true. But she was like but if she continues to lose weight or isn't gaining any weight then we might have to run some thyroid tests or whatever but he's like we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it where i feel like other right. pediatricians would be like she's not supposed to be losing weight this young and are you feeding her and blah 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 like 
I don't know. And it was a really big concern of mine for a really long time because I was just like, you know, kids aren't supposed to lose weight when they're not even two. Yeah. But I don't know. It's hard. And I think about that with Fawn, too, because she is such a small kid. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. is she going to think her whole life that she needs to be tiny because that's how she Uh, was? Sarah's youngest, Liam, was always a shrimp. I mean, he was the smallest kid in his grade up until... I think last year, and he put on like eight inches in a year. Oh, jeez. Now yeah. he's towering yeah. over Sarah. I mean, you know, he's, he's never going to be super tall. I think he's probably 5'10", but mm. it, it happens, you know. It's, yeah. That's how I was when I was in like sixth grade. I was like five foot, you know, something, and I probably weighed 80 pounds. Yeah, you, you know? grew like six inches in a summer. Yeah, but yeah. I got the way I ate, I don't know how I didn't gain weight. I just didn't. Yeah, we yeah. just have Tell me about intense, it. Yeah, I we just remember. Have very intense. Well, that's super I go to make dinner and he's eaten all the ingredients. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. Where's the I would the, just what? keep going to the pantry and be like, oh, a bag of pine nuts, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. everything. He still does that. He's a grazer. That's true, I do. He's a locust. He's a locust. Well, and I feel like women go through such different, and why I think yeah. eating disorders are so prominent in teenage girls is you go through such different body changes than teenage boys because teenage boys just typically get taller and that's right. it whereas there's teenage... a couple other changes teenage <laughs> well, boys go I mean, through well, but i mean yeah. like visually yeah. Size, yeah, yeah visually speaking why is he spending all this time in the shower yeah honey yeah, you get acne getting very and you clean. get taller but like for and hair girls it's like hair. you get wider hips and you get boobs and you have to like shave your legs and it's like a whole thing and then also, when women have babies, you know, your body, your skeletal structure changes. And so I guess a lot of women have a hard time after they have kids with eating and diet and stuff like that. Because it's like, oh, well, you physically have a different body than you used to. Mm-hmm. It's just not going right. to go back to the same. And so many people, you know, are like, get your body back. And it's just not possible. But also, I think, like, women, when they're teenagers, right? We're watching us. We don't really shoot up. Like we, no, we have a yeah. gradual. Yes, it's much more that's gradual. Less, it's more subtle. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Of growing. So I think women also they they're seeing all these boys that all of a sudden are skinnier and taller in a summer. Yep. Like you said, I mean that that's like so. I mean that's like the most common thing for boys is mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're short and stubby and then boom they're tall and skinny. Mm-hmm. So it's like. We're seeing that as teenagers, so we're like, well, why can't we have that same effect? Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of women, are, I think, think that. They they don't get to do the same thing. Yeah. And that's just a part yeah. of genetics. Yeah. It's so. true. Ah, being a woman. Such joy. <laughs> yeah, Doug. I enjoy being a girl. Come on. It was a fun <laughs> conversation. Speaking of a good conversation. great People singers... Have you seen this documentary about Linda Ronstadt? Mm-mm. No. You should watch yeah. it. It's, yeah. fat, it's really, really good. And it's she uh, owned the world for a while. Yeah, oh, yeah, she was. And a it's great big deal. Uh, and and it's really a almost a two hour long interview with her. Although they interview everybody else, and the archival footage is really, really good. You know, a lot of these people before they became famous, there's not much, but they've got all the clips from uh, the Troubadour with the band behind her that went on to become the eagles you know it's don mm-hmm. henley is a 19 year old mm-hmm. he still kind of looks like a dick i'm sorry just, <laughs> yeah. Don oh, yeah. has that face. Oh, yeah. you know what i mean he's a jerk 
Mm. He is a jerk. Poor Don. But you ever talk a, to him? I have never spoken to him. Not a not a pleasant guy. Really? What does he have to be crabby about? No. Nothing. No. Zero millions of dollars. Yeah. He gets to play with Joe Walsh. I mean, why why would he be crabby? I don't get it. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's I highly recommend it. It's and I had forgotten what a great singer is. Sadly, you know, she's still alive, and they interview her at the, in her current state, but she's suffering from Parkinson's and can't sing anymore. Oh, God. How old is she? She's not she's, terribly old. I'd say she's probably 71 or 2. Linda Ronstadt? Yeah. 73. 73. Mm. But wow. they had a clip God. of her, and I didn't know she did Pirates of Penzance. Sarah's a big mm-hmm. musical fan, and they had a clip of her singing with... Uh, Oh, uh, what's his name? Kevin Klein. Uh, Kevin Klein, who was played the lead role. She, she's singing flat out opera in this thing. I'm like, holy! Oh, she can sing, crap. yeah, for sure. Really, really talented, and, and she has a very interesting take on what's wrong with rock stardom and being male dominated and screwing up images. It, she, it's very interesting. Highly recommend it. I think you get the point. I can, yes, we do definitely get the point. And that just that all works out in the end. Tom, do you think Doug liked it? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> possibly true. Can I, I get tell, a I will tell you this. hammer? <laughs> Back in the day, again, when I was in the in the record business, Linda Ronstadt was the hottest, uh, you know, singer out there. And she's a very pretty woman. I don't mean that kind of hot. But she was a very pretty woman. Hottest thing out there. You used to see... The record guys line up to drive her to the airport. Oh, I bet. It was, it was hilarious. It's like, would you guys say, yeah, yeah, you're going to end up married to Linda Ronstadt once you calm down. Never know. So the, well, I suppose. The summer I got out of high school was 76, and there was a gal a year behind me, and we dated a little bit. And she says, hey, Linda Ronstadt's at the state fair. I got tickets. Do you want to go? I'm like, yeah, you know, I wasn't really into it and hadn't paid that close attention. But I went anyway. I was a huge fan coming out of the the concert. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh that's you, that, and you can do that. And you know, it was like a 90 minute tour de force. Yeah, she's a very very talented woman, great singer, sang with a lot of emotion, and now she can't sing at all. That's terrible. Yeah. That stuff should not happen. As a matter of fact, but it's yeah. that's really really sad. What? We shall take a break and be right back in just a couple of minutes with the final quarter uh, yeah. coming up next with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. All right, fellas, this will be a 10-minute segment because the first one was a 20-minute segment, right? Right. I just wanted to make sure that you guys understood that. So we'll be right at 1 o'clock, which would be cool. 
Uh, Roger Waters is up to something big again, and he's bringing it to the biggest arena in Minnesota. The Pink Floyd, uh, Pink Floyd co-founder has confirmed an August 25th stop at Target Center and has newly announced this is not a drill tour, which will feature a hi-fi in the round uh, stage at half court. It's on my mother's birthday, August 20th. She would have been, matter of fact, the day he hits the stage, she would have been 100 years old. Tickets go on sale next Friday, January 31st. So what's this all about? Fans who were shocked, shocked, I say, that the always outspoken rock legend included some political messaging in his Us versus Them, or Us Plus Them tour stop at XL in 2017. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people I know would never go see him again because he was so, so anti-George W. Bush. And there was really no reason to be anti-George W. Bush, was there? I don't know. I, There's I, like a reason I said, to be anti any president, but it depends on if you're anti certain presidents or anti all presidents. Hey, people get mad at Obama because he wore a beige suit at a press conference. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, he he had you know the pig, the Floyd Pink Floyd pig, you know, mm-hmm. the floating the, the the pig balloon around the pig's anus was George W. Bush. You know, it's like, come on, you limey bastard. (laughs) You heard me. (laughs) So there you go. Okay, Yoko. (laughs) I love that so much. I can't get over that. I just love it. Anyway, Dougie, so what what else is happening? Well, I've just got to, I have a couple car stories, but this just showed up on my phone. Jim Lair, uh, PBS News anchor, is dead at 85. He was the McNeil Lair oh, guy, right? McNeil Lair, yeah, absolutely. McNeil, he's uh, he was eighty five, yeah. halfway decent life. Not, uh, not eighty five is not that old anymore, unfortunately. No, as we get or older, 40, it gets yeah. it gets amazingly younger. <laughs> it does, I have no doubt about that. You know, it's, so I've got I've got some auction do? news actually. So um, you know, dealers buy cars at auto auctions all the time, but we're buying used Corolla, so on and so forth. And there's a couple of companies that sell. Very unusual, hard-to-find cars, so on and so forth. One of them is Meekum, and two weeks ago at a Meekum auction, the actual car that Steve McQueen drove in Bullet, it's called the yeah. Bullet Mustang, sold for $3.2 million. Jeez. Now, it, the family, uh, the guy that, that owned it uh, passed away and his family kept it. He bought it in the early 70s. There was an, art, there was an ad in the back of Road and Track for 3200 bucks. Jeez. What? That's a markup. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, he had to hold it for 50 years, but that's not a bad <laughs> yeah. investment. No. Now, no, the, no, not a bad investment. The other big auction house is Barrett-Jackson, and they just had their, their largest auction of the year in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's a four-day event. It just, it, it, oddly enough, when Sarah and I first started going out, I was watching Barrett-Jackson, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching an auto auction. And she says, well, don't you do that for a living? And I said, yeah, but not this. These are really cool cars. And she, she sat down, and now she's hooked. So we watch it every year. The very first, the 2020 Corvette that we've talked about, uh, this is a, uh, the first year for this new style, which is totally revolutionary because it's mid-engine. Corvettes were, have been front-engine vehicles since 1953. Rick Hendrick, who is a former NASCAR driver, he also is a big car dealer. He has a, uh, a car dealer group of, I think, about 70 dealerships. Uh, and the car, the window sticker on, this is serial number 0001, 2020 Corvette. It's got a window sticker of about $80,000. Take a guess what Rick paid for it. Hmm. Guess. $5 million. Now you're a little high. He paid three. <laughs> 
Only three, <laughs> three million. Yep. Wow. So oh, what a bargain. It, here's the cool thing, though. It, the car was owned by General Motors, and this happens uh, frequently uh, with with those you know serial number one and two collectible cars. They always wow. auction them off the highest bidder, and then General Motors takes took all the money and they donate it to charity, which is common. So the three million dollars wow. went to the Detroit uh, Children's Fund, which is really cool. It's I think. Every, you know, these are really, really big businesses, and they are in business to make as much money as, as possible and return value to the investors, but they also have a charitable arm, too, and it's kind of, it, I think it's cool to shine a little light on those guys for doing that. That so, is. Three million bucks no from General Motors to a children's fund in Detroit. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That, that is, I, look, I, I love cars like that, you know, that, that bullet. That, now, Ford makes like a, a bullet edition. Oh, yeah. Of Ford's figured out ways to cash in on every famous car that's ever been made. So, yeah, there's the <laughs> bullet model and go. then the one from, yeah. is it either Gone in 60 Seconds, uh, the Eleanor uh, Mustang. They've made you know, mm. recreations of those. And, yeah, they'll sell as many as they can get their hands on. God, unbelievable. That's that's terrific. I got to read a story to you guys because it just shows where we're headed in this world. Because, I, first of all, it's so sad that you can't even take the blue line from the Mall of America home anymore uh, because you're going to get assaulted, you know. But, but the reason I want to read you this story because of the stats, a verbal altercation between two men on the Metro Blue Line early Thursday escalated into a fight that ended with a fatal stabbing. Oh, the men began sparring as a northbound train left the Mall of America station about 1 o'clock in the morning. They exchanged words, which led to a physical fight. At one point, one of the men pulled a knife, stabbed the other. The man died. The suspect has previous convictions for assault, criminal sexual conduct, and disorderly conduct. The suspect is a 67-year-old man. Now we got 67-year-old men at 1 o'clock in the morning stabbing people to death. What are we doing that's gotten people so crazy? That is nuts. Isn't that nuts? Well, 1 o'clock in the morning, that probably means alcohol was involved. Yeah, they weren't coming back from Bible study. They were not coming back from Bible study. You're absolutely right. Oh, speaking of that, Doug, i got to do a reveal for you. We're in the same club now. Did you know that? You're on your third marriage? <laughs> <laughs> Not that yeah, club. Catherine wishes. <laughs> Which club is that, Tom? Uh, the Episcopal Club. Really? Oh, my God. What, yeah, we've been it? going to it. <laughs> well, no, Mom but is... we got... Sorry. What? I have a... Mom is what? I have a text message conversation with Mom that I've been sharing with my friends because it's just so Thank weird. Thank you for trying to humiliate me. That's what wonderful. Was well, I was at your new house meeting the security guy and Mm -hmm. she text messages me another buyer (laughs) came in yesterday and is coming back today they're very excited interestingly i was talking to god and said please give me a sign if you want us to go to the episcopal church that can't be mistaken (laughs) so if they buy the house we're episcopalian which which church have you been attending it's, it's way deeper than this it's well, deeper than a t- text message it when was we, just the gist when we move it'll be saint stephen oh okay our our good friend was the rector there he's now retired and sarah and i were asked to play at a funeral there and it was the coolest funeral that i've ever been involved in 
It's a great she, church. Yeah. She was dying of brain cancer, and she was a musician. Oh. She was active in the church, and so she wrote her whole service. And I looked at the music that we were playing, and it's it's all over the map. I'm like, a crazy person put this together. But when we sat down and played it, some were you know the traditional choir parts, and then there was like. Uh, really weird music and orchestral stuff, and then Sarah did a duet with a guy, and it was it was it was really moving and just fabulous. So that's a beautiful church, and welcome to the club. So for those of you that don't understand the Episcopalian Church, it's, it's populated by Catholics mostly. It's half yeah. the guilt and twice the fun. Well, okay. So there what is go. so is it like Catholicism? So here's what Lutheranism. No, 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 no. Like, we're, we're up there. As far as, so, no, I mean, as far as, like, <laughs> no, as far as, like, intensity, oh, I mean, and, like, well, Episcopalian, some Episcopal churches can be, it, the Anglican Church uh, was started by Henry VIII for two reasons. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't under, he wanted well. to be able to get divorced because he didn't understand he was the reason that he was having girl children, right? Oh, yes. And he hated the Pope <laughs> because he was, you know, in contact, they were in, in a, competing to run the world so basically they took the whole catholic playbook and then they just kicked out the pope part so what's the difference <laughs> between lutheran it, yeah. and episcopalian not, not that much really yeah, they sound like the same thing. um <laughs> just not martin martin luther uh so well um so episcopalian branched off from the anglican church right yeah. the anglican church is functionally catholic just no pope no pope like he said yeah and there it's a little more freewheeling okay so that's why he's like twice the fun yeah um and the, the episcopal yeah, church just, in, in america yeah. is pretty liberal although yeah. in africa it's not at all no. it's very very conservative right yeah. i would imagine right um, and uh megan markle the guy that married her at uh, westminster is the episcopal bishop of the u.s michael curry the black <laughs> dude there you go the black dude. There you That's have real it. Nice. The black dude. That's going to do it, Dougie. All right. Well, the, what an interesting conversation. Yeah. Just anorexia, anorexia and uh, Catholicism. Episcopalian. You, a never, cars. you never know what you're going to hear on Car Selling Secrets. We'll be back <laughs> next week. Uh, I think Mick Sterling of Mick Sterling and the Stud Brothers is coming in. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Wonderful.